What's up, everyone, and welcome to MCS Podcast, episode 266. Have you ever gotten furious behind the wheel of a car? I bet you have, because we all have. Maybe you've shot the middle finger salute to another driver. Maybe you've brake checked somebody else. Well, if you have, you're putting yourself in very real danger. And if you haven't, you could still find yourself on the receiving end of a violent road rager whose shenanigans behind the wheel could get you hurt or killed. How you deal with that will make all the difference in whether you drive on or whether you get beat up, killed, or sent to jail. That's what's coming up, but first, head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 266 to download your handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet of notes for today's episode, where we have notes on everything you're about to hear, okay? All right, is your seatbelt securely fastened? Then let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. A famous comedian once said that when you're driving, anyone driving slower than you is an idiot, and anyone driving faster than you is a maniac. It's funny, but it's also true. Behind the wheel, we often get frustrated, uh, impatient, angry. Countless times, drivers who were just trying to get from here to there, from point A to point B, gave into road rage, and when they did, people got hurt, people got killed, and or people went to jail. Just recently in Australia, an internationally famous road rage incident became a viral video. A pair of women got into it with a male driver. They started throwing heavy objects at his car from in front of him, shattering his windshield. When they both stopped and got out of their cars, the furious man punched out the woman who, you know, walked up to him like she wanted to, you know, give him what for. There were assault charges to go all the way around. Everybody got in trouble. It was all a pointless waste of time because it didn't have to happen. How do you avoid road rage before it happens? If you find yourself on the receiving end of road rage, how do you de-escalate with somebody who's in an entirely different car? And if nothing you do gets this maniac to calm down, how do you deal with that threat and avoid both a car accident and a jail cell? Lots of people have done it wrong, and they've learned the hard way. We're here to answer those questions so you don't have to learn the hard lesson the way they did. Hello, everybody. This is Buck Green sitting in for Jeff Anderson of Modern Combat and Survival this week with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. Today, I want to talk to you about how to deal with road rage, both preventing it in yourself and dealing with it when it comes to other drivers. Now, I know we all get frustrated and even mad behind the wheel, and I am as big offender, as big an offender. Bleh, let me try that again. I'm as big an offender as anyone. But we can't call ourselves truly prepared if we run around getting into trouble that we don't need to get into. Even if you do everything right, though, you might still end up on the receiving end of road rage. It's happened to all of us. Let's get into it and learn how to deal with both ends of this common threat. Now, what is road rage? Fundamentally, it's an irrational response to the stress and frustration of driving. Driving is difficult. Driving is often a grind. We get mad. We get frustrated. I don't understand how anyone drives for Uber all day or drives a cab all day because if I have to take a long trip in the car, after a few hours, I'm losing my mind. And and that, that emotion is something we all have to keep an eye on. That is a problem that could get us all into big trouble if we don't get a handle on it. Um, the, the single biggest lesson about road rage, and this is something I read in an article a long time ago, is that we usually think that other drivers are doing things to us on purpose. 
the reality is most of the time they're not even thinking about us. Most of the time they don't even know we're alive. They're just off in their own little world doing their own little thing. I was driving down the highway once and a guy in a pickup truck pulled up alongside me and whipped the wheel over like he wanted to run me off the road. To this day, I have no idea why. I don't know what I did. I don't know if he did it on purpose or if he didn't look before he changed lanes. I just have no way to know. All I know is that I ended up on the shoulder honking furiously and he went on his way. Um, We'll get into that. Honking your horn can also be a problem, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. We want to talk about the problem that is road rage. Our cars make us feel powerful, especially if they're big vehicles. We feel indestructible. I, at one time, owned a lifted Jeep Cherokee, and I have never felt more powerful than when I was behind the wheel of that gigantic vehicle. It felt big to me. I felt like I could just roll over the smaller cars. Get out of the way, you Prius! You know, and... and, That emotion is dangerous. It can cause a lot of problems. Another big problem, and again, this is something I fall prey to as well, and I know a lot of you do, admit it to yourselves. We feel competitive behind the wheel. We want to win. That emotion of wanting to compete and win, it's happening in all the other drivers too. So if you're driving along and you see a guy coming up like a ball of light in the lane behind you, You have two choices. You can pull over and let him go by you, or you can go, okay, tough guy, let's see what you've got, and then screw with him and stop him from going by you because it doesn't change how fast you get to your destination if a guy goes by you really quickly. And yet, and I'm saying this from my own personal experience, I get mad for no reason when people pass me. And and that emotion is what we have to break ourselves of in order to stop road rage in ourselves. Now, You can't control what other drivers do, but you can prevent yourself from being guilty of road rage. And that's half the problem right there. So in order to avoid road rage yourself, and I have to keep repeating these lessons to myself every time I drive, and I do a lot of driving. I do a lot of traveling for work. I do a lot of driving uh, for uh, just family. Um, The lifestyle I lead is such that I'm constantly driving back and forth between two cities that have uh, about an hour and a half worth of driving between them. So I log a lot of time on the road. The first thing you always have to tell yourself, and I repeat this to myself daily, is don't get mad. Relax. It's better to get there without an accident or a ticket, and it's a heck of a lot cheaper. You know, the the tickets that they tack on for road rage can be pretty extensive. The last thing you want is to end up getting a ticket not just for speeding, but also for, you know, the cop to tack on, ooh, and some reckless driving and some... Uh, uh, aggressive driving, that's a specific charge in some places. You just you don't want to make things worse for yourself by contributing to the problem. So the first thing you need to do is just relax. Every time I've ever gotten a ticket, I knew I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. I would have a perfect driving record today if I had just not done the things that I knew I wasn't supposed to do, like passing a slow driver on a double lane area. (laughs) There was a cop right there, and he nailed me for uh, speeding and crossing the double line. And I thought to myself, well, officer, obviously I crossed the double line. I feel like you shouldn't tag me for the speeding as well because I was trying to do it in a hurry so I didn't linger on the other side of the other side of the double lane area. Uh, I didn't make that argument because I knew he would not be receptive to it. But the fact is you don't want to make that that mistake. You don't want to do things you shouldn't do because the only times you get caught for breaking the law is when you break the law and you know 
it sounds I'm not I'm not advocating that you drive around all timid and make sure you signal every turn. I mean, yes, you should signal your turns, but I I'm not arguing for a kind of milk toastery behind the wheel. You know, I'm not trying to make you a wimp. Um, obviously, we're all going to drive a little bit above the speed limit to keep up with the prevailing traffic and so on and so forth. What I'm saying is that when you know you're doing something wrong, that's when you create the potential to get into trouble. Um, it's something as simple as when I drive, I try to remember to play relaxing music instead of really aggressive driving music. You know, if you're flying down the road listening to Sabotage by the Beastie Boys, you're going to drive differently than if you're listening to classical music. Now, I'm not saying you have to change the type of music you like. I'm just saying avoid the stuff that you know really gets you going. <laughs> You know, there's, there are just, we all have those songs and I always picture a cop pulling me over and saying, why were you driving so fast? And I say, well, I was listening to Give Me Some Lovin' by the Spencer Davis group. And he's going to go, oh yeah, I drive too fast when I listen to that song too. Um, that song is in a lot of movies and a lot of chase scenes for some reason. Must be it's really easy to license. But anyway, so play relaxing music. Don't play aggressive music. Leave extra room in front of you. Uh, that's a very simple tenet of driving that a lot of us don't we don't follow it. We tend to tailgate, especially if we're trying to get other drivers to move out of the way because we're mad. Um, if you try to be nice while you're on the road, you'll be surprised how much that works to your advantage. Like if you see a truck trying to pull into the left lane in front of you, you could speed up aggressively and try to get past him before he can get over. Or you could slow down, blink your lights, and when he moves in, he'll probably blink his lights at you and thank you. Um, it just makes everything easier if you just... Stop worrying about that extra few minutes. Uh, I read somewhere, no, it wasn't something I read. It was a commercial. There was some anti-aggressive driving commercial. It was a lame one that was on television back when we used to watch broadcast television, all of us. And uh, it was a guy going faster and faster, and he's you know looking at his watch, and he's drinking his coffee, and he's busily businessing or trying to get to where he's going to be businessing in his suit with his briefcase to do his weird generic business job. And uh, he gets into an accident, and the commercial ends with him in a hospital, and the narrator's voice says, at 70 miles an hour, you would have saved about two minutes. And, you know, the idea is, wah, wah, you got hurt and you didn't need to. I thought it was kind of an obnoxious commercial, but the point it makes is a valid one. Uh, also, if you understand how math works, you know that it's meaningless to say you would have saved two minutes at 70 miles an hour if you don't know how long he was on the road. You know, those minutes add up after a while. I, I once, a friend once drove me down to Atlanta for the Blade Show, and I was suffering from untreated sleep apnea really badly at the time. That's a fact you didn't know about Buck Green. Every time I fell asleep, which was often, my friend who was driving would go 100 miles an hour. So I would wake up and update Facebook, and friends were commenting, wow, you guys are making really crazy good time. And turns out, I found out later, once we were there, the reason we were making crazy good time is because my driver was driving as if he wanted us to get to the next world before everybody else. So uh, had we gotten a ticket at 100 miles an hour as out-of-state drivers, I'm not sure what would have happened to us. Some of those southern states between New York and, and Georgia um, might be a little more lenient than others. You know, there's, there's a culture of speeding as you travel further south in the United States where they take things a little less seriously. Um, New York, it's a very big deal, and if you get too many points on your license within a certain amount of time, uh, you know, they, they slap you with all kinds of insurance penalties and everything else. It's ugly. But my point is uh, you, you want to slow down, relax, 
And remember that in a normal commute, you're really not saving that much time if you're driving way over the speed limit. So there probably isn't a whole lot of benefit to uh, speeding unnecessarily. You know, I'm not saying you have to drive 55. I'm saying, you know, keep it to the prevailing traffic and just stay. Uh, don't bring yourself to the attention of the ruling powers, as the old Chinese proverb goes. Don't be the fastest thing on the road and don't be the slowest. Just be be a gray man in traffic, essentially. Um, stay out of the passing lane, except if you're going to pass. Be aware if you're in the way of other drivers. Uh, you want to think in terms of the worst case scenario, because if you provoke somebody, it isn't necessarily just that you're making another driver mad. And, you know, we've all felt this feeling like I won that driving confrontation because I made him mad. But you do that, it could easily turn into something really ugly. You never know when a crazy guy wants to pull up alongside you and whip his wheel to the right and run you off the road, which is what happened to me. I've never encountered somebody on the road who had a gun, but I've talked to friends who did. Um, some friends of mine were driving and they did something to upset another driver. He actually pulled up alongside them, took out a gun and showed it to them. He didn't point it at them. And I think in his mind, he was stopping just short of menacing or brandishing, which are both legitimate legal charges. We'll get to that too. Um, but my point is you just never know. And because you never know, it's better just to not engage with people. You know, most other aggressive drivers or angry drivers, they just want to feel like they won. They just want to get past you and keep going and feel victorious. It makes no difference to your life if they feel that way. It doesn't hurt you in any way. Um, your goal is to get where you're going without a ticket and without an accident. Now, the, the, the one thing you don't want to do is escalate a road rage incident that is starting to develop. So when another driver starts to get aggressive with you, do what you can to defuse the situation. It's exactly like trying to defuse the situation when you're not in your car and you're dealing with somebody who's in front of you. Um, you don't make eye contact with him. I know that might make you feel a little silly driving along going, I'm not looking at you, I'm not looking at you. But making eye contact only escalates. It only engages. Your goal is to not engage with this guy. Whatever you do, do not use hand gestures. I don't care if he's flipping you a 21-gun salute two birds at a time. Don't do it. Don't give in. Don't gesture. Don't escalate the situation in any way. Um, slow down. Let him go by you. He wants to feel like he won, so let him. Let him go and let him get ahead of you. If you have to pull over or exit the highway, go ahead and do that. That's fine. Um, if he starts to follow you and wants to exit with you too, that's a problem. You don't want that. We'll, we'll talk about that more when we talk about not being able to avoid a road rager. Um, if he pulls over and you've pulled over, you need to leave. And where you go, you go someplace public. You go to a police station, you go to a fire station, you go somewhere there are witnesses, but preferably people in authority. Um, that's all you can do in that sort of situation. Um, we're going to talk about driving defensively next, but I want to underscore that the only thing you don't want to do is to spend private time with this guy who's road raging you. That's the thing you need to avoid at all costs. While you're doing that, you need to remember to drive defensively. Now, theoretically, you're doing everything you can, everything in your power, to not escalate road rage incidents. So we covered what road rage is. We talked about avoiding road rage. We talked about not escalating road rage incidents. But while you're driving, you now have to remember to drive defensively. 
A big tip, and this is something I actually read in a book on defensive driving years ago, is that you need to adjust your mirrors in your car for maximum view. This is a, a tactical point so that you can see as much around you as possible. Most of us, when we adjust our side mirrors, we adjust them so that we can see the car. We're looking at the flank of the car in the corner of the mirror. The funny thing about the sides of your car is they don't actually go anywhere. So you don't need to see them. They're always there. Adjust your side mirrors out just beyond where you can see the flank of the car so that you maximize the amount of view, the field of view that you have on either side of the vehicle. Uh, while you're driving, uh, keep an eye on all the other cars. What are they doing? How far are you away from them? Leave extra room. Uh, whatever you do, don't get to texting. Um, I'm a, I have been in the past a big offender when it comes to this because I tended to drive down the road also businessing as that, that fellow in the commercial was doing, uh, you know, looking at emails and taking care of texts. That's wildly dangerous. I don't do it anymore. In part, that's because they passed a law in my state that is so strict. What do they do? They drag you out into the middle of the street and run you over with a tow truck now if you get caught texting and driving? I don't know, but I don't want to find out. Um, whatever you do, don't get pulled into what you're listening to, whether that's music or a podcast. Our cars are very comfortable. And back when they first introduced radios in cars, a lot of people were afraid that just having a radio in the car would, would cause people to be distracted and have accidents. Obviously, that's not the case. You can look where you're going and listen at the same time. Although if you're like me, you turn down the radio when you're looking for an unfamiliar address, which is just some kind of reflex we all seem to have. But uh, you don't want to drive on autopilot. You want to stay engaged and aware while you're driving. Because when you're aware, just like in self-defense, when you're on the ground on your own two feet, you can see threats happening. You can see if the guy next to you isn't paying attention or if he's weaving back and forth. You can see countless other drivers who are texting or even reading. Sometimes you'll see people putting on makeup or any number of other wacky things. Um, occasionally, you'll see a couple of people getting it on. That's actually something I've seen. You know, so just keep an eye out. Uh, uh, make sure that you're watching for other people. The other thing that you're watching for, though, is sudden maneuvers on the part of people who may be offended at you because if your attention flagged, and sometimes even if it didn't, they're mad at you because they think you did something intentionally. I was uh, uh, coming off a highway and, and taking an exit when a guy in a blue Camaro in front of me suddenly slammed on his brakes intentionally. I don't know why. Um, it was memorable to me because it made me really angry. And I thought about following that guy. If you are ever possessed of the urge to follow a dude, don't. No good will come of confronting him. You have become the aggressor. If he were to shoot you after you followed him, he would be within his rights to do so. We'll get to that. Don't worry. Just keep in mind when you're driving defensively, you're watching out for things like brake checks, sudden moves, sudden lane changes. Uh, you can't predict what other people do, but you'd be surprised how subtle clues in the movement of the vehicle, how fast it's going, whether it starts to move to the left or to the right. You pick up on a lot of those cues subconsciously when you're driving. Think about the concert that is you driving down the road surrounded by all these other vehicles that are all moving at the same time. Uh, you're reading those cues. Uh, if they were people, they would be nonverbal cues. These are cars. But all the time you're processing those. You don't even think about it. We all do it. Uh, it's one of the things that makes driving kind of exhausting. Like, have you ever driven somewhere and you get there and you're like, wow, I'm tired? And you didn't do anything but sit in a car. The amount of physical exertion you were putting out, not that great. 
But you're using your brain the whole time, whether you're aware of it or not, because you're processing all those cues and guiding yourself safely between 60 and 70 miles an hour in a way that human beings did not used to do. This is relatively new. You know, this is within the last century that we started propelling ourselves about doing this. It's a big deal, and we can never afford to forget that it's a big deal. Okay, coming up, we've talked about uh, how to drive defensively and how to avoid escalating a road rage incident, but what happens if you can't avoid road rage? What happens if a guy walks up to your window with a crowbar or a knife and he's intent on hurting you? What do you do if you can't get away? And what are the legal consequences of becoming involved in a road rage incident? And how do you avoid being the one who gets dragged off to jail after something, after something like that happens? All of that is coming up next, but first, stay tuned for these special messages. Imagine staring up at a six foot nine, 350 pound biker dude, rage in his eyes, ready to cram a beer bottle down your throat as payback for bumping into him. Would you know exactly what to do without cowering in fear, without begging for mercy, without getting stomped to the floor and beaten while your family watches in horror? You will now with this simple three-step plan. One, don't take your family to biker bars. That's really kind of stupid, isn't it? Two, harden your mind with bulletproof warrior confidence. And three, master your own secret bag of shockingly powerful fight tricks. Waiting for you and your free DVD you can claim now at DefeatLargerAttackers.com. In a real fight, you don't have the option of losing. Not when your life or the safety of your family hiding behind you is on the line. You need to know exactly what to do in those first few seconds of an attack and end it quickly and walk away with your life, your loved ones, and your pride intact. In this free DVD, you'll discover the street fighting secrets for how to knock a bigger, stronger man headfirst into the pavement with brutal, unstoppable power and speed regardless of your size, strength, or even if you've never been in a fight before in your life. Claim your free DVD now while this offer is still available at www.defeatlargerattackers.com and unleash your true potential to kick ass. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back. We have covered in uh, MCS uh, Podcast 266 so far what road rage is, how to avoid road raging yourself, how to avoid escalating a road rage incident, and some of the tenets of defensive driving. Those are all you doing everything right. But what happens if you do everything right and you still can't prevent a road rage incident? You get a guy who is really mad at you and he intends to, he wants to mess you up and uh, there's nothing, nothing you can do is going to stop him. Well, if you're already on the road and you've already been def- driving defensively, you know, you've looked out for sudden moves, you've looked out for brake checks. Um, you could have a guy who's trying to play chicken with you on the road. He's speeding up and slowing down, trying to follow you, trying to intimidate you. You need to stop and uh, get off the road. You know, pull over if you have to. Um, it may be the case that he pulls over too. If he does, leave. You know, you you want to. Uh, we covered this in um, the the don't escalate road rage incidents, but I want to reiterate it. You either get off the highway or you pull over or you, you slow down. You remove yourself from the situation. Um, but let's say that you can't. Um, I have a, a story that goes with this, too. 
I was on the highway again. This is the same highway in all of these stories. It's the New York State Thruway, which is this big artery that cuts west to east over most of the state and then goes down south. Um, uh, the, the route number changes as you switch to go down uh, to the southern part of New York State, down to New York City. And uh, I was on that highway. It's a divided four-lane highway, two ways on two lanes on one side, two lanes on the other. And a guy, I think he was mad that I didn't let him go around me as fast as he wanted to. I may very well have provoked him by being competitive. I don't recall now. But I remember that uh, he was riding my bumper and all mad and, you know, making hand gestures and screaming. And sometimes people will try to get you to roll down your window and engage with them. Don't ever do that. Uh, So I thought, you know what? I don't need this. I'm just going to get off the highway and I'm going to find a gas station convenience store. I'm going to grab a drink or something, and I'm just going to give him time to go by, which is what we said when you de-escalate road rage incidents. You you stop. You let him feel he's won. You pull over. You exit. Uh, put some distance between the two of you. But in this case, the guy saw me getting off the highway, whipped around me, and got in front of me on the ramp. And the last thing I wanted to do was exit the highway and have this guy be there. Plus, I didn't want him in front of me because I know for a fact he's one of those guys that wants to brake check you. I've never quite understood the logic of I'm going to get in front of you and slam on my brakes so that we both have a car accident. That'll show you. But in any case, I was like, well, well, that's simple. So I waited just long enough for him to get along the exit to the point where he could not then leave the exit. And I left the exit, so I went back on the highway. So he ended up having to exit, and these are a, this is a toll highway, so you've got to go through the toll booths, and then getting back on the highway takes time. I think eventually he did get back on, and then he flew by me in the left-hand lane uh, because he was mad and embarrassed. And that could have gotten uglier if he'd wanted to keep after me. Fortunately, he didn't. But you've got to be aware that the, this is the type of behavior that a persistent road rager could exhibit. Uh as long as you are, uh, well, let me, let me put it another way. You don't want to interact with this guy. You don't want to talk to him. You don't want to look at him. You don't want to make eye contact with him. All right, so let's say now that you're in a situation where uh, a road razor is approaching your car. He has now gotten out of his car, and he is approaching you while you are in your car. This is the the most common uh, road rage scenario where bad things start to happen because we're all a little reluctant to do things with our vehicles. Even the angriest guy who's driving a vehicle doesn't want to smash up his vehicle. He wants to get at you most of the time, which is not to say that people won't use their vehicles as weapons. They do. It's, it's hap- it happens all the time. But a lot of the time, you know, a good, a good percentage of these incidents, the guy, if he really wants to get into it with you, wants to get out so that he can get at you. I once watched two guys get into it in the parking lot of a grocery store. You never saw two people who wanted to get into a fight less. The one guy, uh, a fellow in a pickup truck was, was taking a turn in the parking lot and he nearly hit another guy. Well, the other guy was mad, so he slapped the side of the truck. We'll call the slapper guy B and the driver guy A. So guy A gets all mad, stops his truck, gets out and starts yelling at guy B. Guy B starts yelling back. Neither one of them wanted to throw a punch, but both of them wanted the other guy to back down. So they were both posturing and yelling, but you could tell they both wanted this to end, but they wanted to feel good about themselves. 
And those are the types of situations that become fights when one of them snaps and he's like, well, I'm not going to be able to live with myself if I think this guy made me back down. And then somebody goes to jail or both of you goes to jail and none of it had to happen. You know, if the guy who nearly ran over the other dude had stopped and be like, oh, I'm so sorry, that, you know, would have stopped it right there. That happened to me. I was pulling out of a driveway and I looked in my rearview mirror and I thought, was that a guy? It was at night and I thought I saw something pass by me really quickly. I stop half in and half out of the driveway. I open my door and I look and further down the street is a grown man on a skateboard. I couldn't see him because it was night. So I shout, hey man, are you okay? And he shouts back something like, are you talking to me? And, and I, I'm like, so I turned the car off so he could hear me. And I'm like, yes, I was talking to you. And I was apologizing because I didn't see you and I felt bad. Are you okay? And that kind of took the wind out of his sails. And I walked over to him and, and he walked over to me and we kind of met in the middle between where my car was and the end of the, the street where there was a stop sign. And he's like, I, I'm sorry. I, I kind of get mad sometimes. I have a lot of problems with traffic while I'm skateboarding and my thought was, well, yes, you are a grown man on a skateboard at night, completely invisible, so I can see where that would be a problem. But I didn't say that. I just, uh, because I was willing to apologize for having not seen him, even though it was not my fault, um, I was able to defuse the situation. But his initial reaction was one of aggression. If I had gotten offended at his offense, we could have easily gotten into it with each other. And I could be coming to you today with a scar in the side of my head, the shape of a skateboard. Uh, you know, you just never know. So if a guy approaches your car while you're in the car, obviously, if you can drive away, you should. Uh, it, all of this takes as gospel the fact that if you can just drive away, you should. You're in a vehicle. You are, uh, for all intents and purposes, in, invulnerable. Um, so uh, if you are sitting in your car, but you can't drive away. You're blocked in by traffic. There's something stopping you from driving away. If that guy comes up to your window, keep the window up. Keep that barrier between the two of you at all times. Don't talk to him. Don't engage with him. Don't even make eye contact. If that's happening, what you need to do is dial 911 and keep them on the line. You explain to them what's happening. Uh, that way it establishes that you are the person on the receiving end of the aggression. Um, if if you can drive, but you're worried about hitting this guy, uh, you don't want to use your car as a weapon ever intentionally. Your car is a deadly weapon, and you must remember that. Um, so if you're not justified in using deadly force, you're not justified in using your car to potentially hurt this guy, you should never do it intentionally. But if you're under threat, like say he starts to break out your window, and you're like, oh, oh my God, he's going to reach in and start beating me through the open window. That happened in Texas. A guy was getting beaten through the open window of his vehicle by a road rager. He did the only thing he could do, which was he drew his gun and shot the other guy off him. And then he ended up, I believe he went to trial over that, but I could be wrong. There was some discussion of was he guilty of murder over a road rage incident. And I believe in the end he was not because he was legitimately defending himself. The only way he could. You're very vulnerable when you're sitting and another person is standing. So if somebody's beating you through the open window, I mean, they could beat you blind easily. You could really get hurt. So that's potentially deadly force. Uh, if somebody is using potentially deadly force on you, you would be justified. Say there's an opening and you can drive away. Well, as long as you're not intentionally trying to run him down, if he gets hurt when you drive away, that's Kind of not your problem. I don't want to, I'm not a lawyer, so I really don't want to say that explicitly. But, you know, a guy breaks out your window. He's intent on doing you harm, you f doing you harm, and you floor it. Well, if he ends up, you know, getting hit by your mirror or something along those lines, uh, that's his problem. He shouldn't have been trying to kill you. 
Um, if you can't drive away, he breaks out the window. There's nothing you can do. Now you're fighting. Now you have only a few options, especially if you're seated. It's very hard to get out while someone is attacking you through the window, um, which is not to say you should get out preemptively. And I almost made that mistake one time when I thought a guy was road raging at me. I pulled into a parking lot, and he came in behind me really angry about something. And I thought, ooh, I better get out because I don't want to get beaten through my open window. A number of people told me after that, no, no, you're in your car. Stay in your car that you're protected in the vehicle and you can drive away. So unless you're trapped, you don't want to get out. Um, you want to keep the window up. He breaks it out. He reaches in. Now he's fighting you through the window. Maybe he's got a weapon. Maybe he's got a crowbar. Maybe he's got a knife. You know, there's any number of possible scenarios. You have only a few options for fighting in the vehicle. Uh, you could use your gun if you have a gun. A knife is also a, possibly a very effective weapon because his arms are reaching in through the, the, the window and you could carve up his arms to try and get him off you. That's a way of sort of meeting the amount of force that's coming at you because you're not like stabbing him through the heart, but you are damaging the limbs that are coming in through your window. Um, it, it, one thing to remember, though, is resist the temptation to fire your gun through a closed window um, not only do you not necessarily know where those bullets are going to go, you're responsible for every one of them. But uh, firing the gun in the vehicle, especially with the window up, is going to deafen you. There could be glass everywhere. The bullet could ricochet in ways that you can't anticipate. If it doesn't stay in the vehicle, it's going to go out of the vehicle, and you're not really sure where it's going to go after that. So you shoot out your window to kill the guy road raging on you and uh, you know, kill a child going by a block away. That's on you. You're responsible for that. Um, if you have to shoot through an open window, the, the, the noise of the discharge is still going to mess with your hearing. It's going to be very disorienting. As loud as a gun is, it is even louder inside a confined space like an automobile. Um, you need to be very aware of that, and you need to be very aware of the deadly and dangerous situation you were in. There is training for people who fight in you know tight spaces. We've interviewed some folks in the past at MCS who, who teach uh, classes like that. Um, it's something to consider. Uh, that's why you should be avoiding road rage at all costs. But we need to talk about the legal consequences because a lot of people don't understand this. Um, the, the George Zimmerman case was a great example of, of how this sort of thing can go wrong. George Zimmerman was in a vehicle when he followed Trayvon Martin. And then when Martin attacked him physically and ended up grounding and pounding him and Zimmerman shot the guy off him, he had essentially created that situation. Now, he went to trial, and regardless of what you think of the politics of the verdict, he did get off for that offense and then has been in constant trouble since then. But you're going to face a lot of difficulties if you create the situation that then escalates into a violent altercation. So what I mean by that is if you... Uh, flip off a guy driving, if you contribute to the escalation of the road rage incident, then he follows you into a parking lot. You end up trapped. He starts beating you through the open window and you either shoot him or stab him or whatever you do to get him off you. And, and you could very well go to trial as the aggressor in that situation. And what the prosecution is going to say is, well, you were looking for a confrontation because you escalated it. You contributed to it. You did something to make that altercation happen by provoking the other guy. And it doesn't matter what you think about the morality of that. It doesn't matter if you think that's crazy. All that matters is how our courts work. 
And the fact is, you have to be as pure as the driven snow. You cannot afford to have contributed to the situation in any way. You need to have not made eye contact. You need to have done everything you could to disengage. You can't have shouted anything at him or made any gestures or anything like that. And you need to have taken every step you could to remove yourself from the situation such that you only ended up fighting with him when you were trapped, you had no other choice, and you were in fear for your life. You do anything else, and it's potentially at least not self-defense. You run the risk of being seen in the eyes of the law as the aggressor, and that's why people go to jail for defending themselves in a road rage incident. Let me go back to that story about the Australian road rage. Um, This was all over YouTube, and it was pretty funny, and, and I saw it shared by a bunch of people because... The, the male driver gets into it with these two female drivers. They get in front of him and they start throwing heavy metal objects at his windshield. That is a potentially deadly act. He could have been killed easily because of that. The first thing he did wrong was following a vehicle that was throwing objects at him. He should have just pulled over. The second thing he did wrong after that happened was they stopped in traffic like at a stoplight or something And the woman who, either the driver or the woman who was throwing the objects, I don't know which, gets out of the car and marches over to him like she thinks she's a tough guy. Uh, And I say tough guy because that's exactly how she walked. The reason the video went viral is because this male uh, driver did not care. He just walked up and punched her full in the face and dropped her. And yes, ha ha ha, that's funny that she thought she was going to be tough and she found out the other way and they were reprehensible people. But the fact is, the second he did that, he became the criminal. Uh, And arguably, uh, he was weakening his case. Like He could have gone to the authorities and said, hey, they threw objects at me and broke my windshield. I want them charged. Uh, if at any point he had done anything else to try and to sort of contribute to that situation, to escalate that situation, that weakens his case. What you need to do is stay completely pure in that situation. And I know a lot of you right now are saying, but that's not how I want to live my life. I don't want to live my life as if everyone else can push me around uh, and I just have to take it because I don't want to get in trouble with the law. And trust me, I get that. I get that completely because I have not been good about that sort of thing myself. You just need to understand the risks. Understand that any time you escalate or you become aggressive or you talk back or make gestures or throw the bird or anything like that, you're weakening your eventual weakening your eventual case and you're also creating a situation where if this escalates to violence, you might be seen as having contributed to it. Now, if you're okay with taking that risk, then I guess that's on you, but I don't recommend it because I don't want to see you go to jail. The fact is You were in the car because you were trying to get from here to there. You were just trying to go somewhere. Why does that have to become life and death? It doesn't have to. Just let it go. Relax. Let the other guy be an aggressive jerk. Think to yourself, wow, that guy's an aggressive jerk and he's going to learn the hard way. And just get where you're going. It's exactly like driving in the snow and the ice. I do a lot of driving in snow and ice, and I drive slowly in snow and ice. And you know what? I always get where I'm going. And when people fly by me because they have four-wheel drive and they don't understand that that's not going to help them stop, I think to myself, see you up ahead in the ditch, pal. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to me what they do because their going fast does not have any impact on me. I'm just going to get where I'm going, and I don't want there to be a problem. And when you're driving, you need to have that same attitude about everything. You want to get where you're going without a problem, without a ticket, 
without an accident and without a potentially life-changing, bankrupting self-defense scenario that absolutely did not have to happen if you had just swallowed your pride and let it go. It's really just a question of risk versus reward. I don't want to see you live your life on your knees or letting other people push you around, but I also don't want to see you completely abused by our legal system. Be smarter than the other guy. Be smarter than the other jerk drivers out there. Get where you're going without a problem and don't do anything that would contribute to you becoming the aggressor. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. All right? All right, until next time, this is Buck Green saying prepare, train, and survive. modern combat and survival we hope you've enjoyed the show you can help us out by rating our podcast on itunes and leaving a comment you can check us out on facebook at facebook.com backslash modern combat and survival and don't forget to claim your free subscription to modern combat and survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com lock and load and we'll see you next time This has been Modern Combat and Survival.